Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. This is another money show. Get set for another hour of the latest financial information and economic news affecting your bottom line. JR and Anthony are committed to helping more Americans like you optimize their income, reduce their tax risk, and reach financial freedom. So let's start the show. Here are your hosts, Anthony Correo and JR Rochford. Here we are, J.R. Rochford and Anthony Carreo, taking a break from our day-to-day -day as financial advisors to bring you information you may not be getting from those other financial shows. We realize the last thing you need is another money show. And yet here you are, and here we are, and we appreciate it. So thanks for being with us. How are you doing today, Anthony? Oh, living the dream. <laughs> living the dream. You don't sound convincing yet, but we'll see. So let's jump right into it today. Do you want to talk financial or end of the world? I'm going to let you pick. I'm going to, this show is basically what does Anthony want? So this will be a good one. Oh, is that what we're doing today? That's what we're doing. We're going to do that and go to bed. Financial anyway. news. I'm a big fan of financial news, but you like end of the world. We'll go with what, uh, with what you want today. You said that you were on one this morning. So let's see what you got for us. Every morning. And by the way, you said you like financial and I like end of the world. Luckily, the two are completely intertwined at this point. This is Fed Now Month. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when I said Happy Fed Now Day? Because remember, July 1st, Fed Now was going to launch, and now it's July 25th, and now it's July 26th, and now I can't find when it is. So, Happy Fed Now Month. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to the month of July. I think it'll be a is good it one. Just kind of like uh, Social Security, where it's like, well, it's going to fail, but we're going to keep moving up the date and moving it around because. Uh, we don't know for sure, but it's, we're going to tell you it's failing. Uh, but when, we don't really know. Well, and yeah, we've heard 2034, 2033, 2032, 2031. I'm waiting for to get into the 2020s, and then we'll report on it. And by the way, I've been saying this for years and years and years, way before the media started saying they're actually getting ready to address it. They are going to hit us up with a three-prong approach. And they are only really talking about one of the prongs at the top. I love the word prong. If if you say the word prong enough times, it gets like it's not a real world word. Anyway, so the three prong approach. The first one, they are going to raise the age. I've been saying this for years. I, I found some information on this probably 10 or 12 years ago. And I really, I thought it was interesting because, you know, we're all in this together. We're living longer. There's medical technology that is making us live longer. So I would not be surprised if one Friday afternoon, of course, Arizona time will be after five o'clock on a Friday, they're just going to come out and they are going to say, starting on Monday, you cannot apply for Social Security, <clears throat> excuse me, at 62 or 66 in 10 months. It's going to be 70 across the board or my bigger fear, 75 across the board. And all of the people that are close to it are hopefully going to put on their yellow vests like they did over in France and get upset. Whether they will or not, I'm not sure. But so that's the first prong. Sooner or later, they're going to raise the age. It's just not sustainable. We all know that. And then the second thing they're going to do, because that won't be enough to save it, they are going to make people like you, Anthony, and younger workers pay more into it. Instead of paying six and a half or whatever it is right now, 
you're going to have to pay 12% or 13% or whatever. And then the granddaddy, the third prong, is going to be cutting benefits. That's the only one we're reading about right now. You know, you, you have said you found articles where it's 23% across the board. If you're brand new into the system, that's not going to be a shock to your system. If you've been on Social Security for any length of time, it is. So the, these people that are getting Social Security, you're, you're going to lower their benefit by 20 to 25%, and you don't think that's going to be problematic? There's people right now that are struggling. You know, numbers came out this morning. Today, by the way, is July 12th. As we record, it's Wednesday, and it came out this morning that the inflation, it's, it's great news. It's down to only 3% year over year. So that's wonderful news. So everything around you, they're saying now it's luxuriously only going up by 3% a year, and yet you're going to lower my social security. So I don't know. I mean, what is, how does it end? Sooner or later, are people going to be eating cat food? Are people going to be making a choice between food and medicine? I don't know. A lot of people don't have to worry about it. I get that. I mean, my, my thinking is the rich get richer, the poor hover, and the middle class are shrinking on steroids. So I'm worried about the middle class and the fact that they're going to have to eat bugs one day. Good call, Jim. Jim typed in eating bugs. Are bugs cheaper than cat food? I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to a cricket meal and so forth. So uh, today I read the 2024 Social Security cost of living adjustment is being released. And they're saying it's going to be 3%. I have always had a little bit of heartburn about them releasing that number mid-year because a lot can happen from July 12th through December 31st. For example, we might be on Fed now. So, I mean, a lot can change. I don't think they should give those numbers until November or December and see how the year goes. But anyway, so apparently it's going to be 3%. So that's great. Great news. We're going to get a raise. Every time we get a raise, you know, it, it takes us closer to being insolvent, though. So it's it's a mixed blessing. So uh, today's Prime Day. Are you watching the big Amazon? Are you getting text alerts or emails or it's Prime Day? So speaking of it, rate our prices and then... Tell everybody it's on sale for the same price it was the day before. Probably. And you know what is funny about Amazon? We have more credit card debt in this country now than we have savings. We we have tipped to where people are more in debt than what they have put away. You know, and I know that doesn't apply to everybody, but it applies to a lot of people. And yet Prime Day is this big thing. It, it, it's so Pavlovian. They ring the bell once a year and we jump on our computer and we, and we buy crap we don't need on Amazon. So I, I just find it fascinating. It's funny, I have never bought one single item on Prime Day. To me, even if I need something on Prime Day, I'm going to wait to a non-Prime Day. I don't like you telling me what day I should jump on the computer and buy stuff. I, I, I'm going to uh, buy stuff while you're having this conversation. While you're complaining, I'm going to pull up my Amazon shopping cart. You are a spiteful little man, and I don't appreciate <laughs> that. I believe we are going to bed angry tonight. So No, I just I, it's just so funny what dumb sheep a lot of this country is. Because some of the buzz around Prime Day, it's like, like, is it necessities? Is it, is it like, oh, I just want to be part of it. You're, you're part of spent. I don't know. I, I better chill on Prime. I don't need to be in the cage match. Who's the, who's the Amazon guy? Is that Bezos? Who's fighting now? Is it Zuckerberg, Musk? All these billionaires have me confused. I, I think we should have. I, I heard that uh, Zuckerberg is a trained martial artist, mixed martial arts. I think we should put him and Warren Buffett in the cage. I mean, if if we're going to do something fun, let's bring Warren to the cage. Anyway, so welcome to Prime Day. Welcome to Fed Now Month. It's a good month. Our mission on this show, and I think if you've listened to us any length of time, you know this, we want you prepared 
not scared. We want you proactive, not reactive. I think once in a while, now that we've been here for over a year, I, I think about like, is this going well? Are we getting to people? Is this a good thing we're doing? You know, we get some feedback. The activity we've seen because of the show has ridden, but I, I'm, I'm not sure. Are we doing the right things? You know, why did we start this show? We want to sound alarms. We, we want people to know what's going on in the world because how can you, you know, how can we manage money into the future without a crystal ball? We have to be aware of our surroundings. We have to be proactive, not reactive. So same thing with people. If you have money in a 401k, if you have an old 401k, you should be watching it. You should know what you have. And, and I think about this. I think about the radio show. Like, why are we doing this? You know, I, I'm very reflective today of my life and my choices. So why are we doing this? We want you safe. Number one, we want you safe. This is a very uncertain world. You know, I'm, I'm hearing this morning about violence again in my hometown of Chicago. And I'm like, the first thing, we want you safe. And part of our thinking of being safe if there was a hurricane or a flood or a power outage, EMP, whatever, you should have food and water at home. That's part of keeping you safe physically. So that's part of what this show is. It's making sure that you're doing things other people aren't doing. You know, your advisors that are telling you to do a Roth conversion. We do that too. We do that too. But while we're doing the Roth conversion, we want to make sure you have a little bit of food and water at home too. Because that, that, you know, there's a difference between urgent and emergency. And we want to make sure we cover both. So we want you safe. The second thing, we want your money safe. You know, we are a very safe-based practice. Your passion, Anthony, is income. Your passion, if you have a pile of assets and we have another 2008, you could lose 20%, 30%, 40% of those assets. So your thing is the people in retirement that are happiest are not worried about paying their bills, going on vacation. They're, they have an income stream that lets them breathe easy in retirement. So that, you know, that's safety. The, the whole thing that you're doing is safety. It's not exciting. I mean, would it be better to sell people Dogecoin and biotech and all this stuff? You know, you know, I guess so. And, and I hear you, you know, you do manage money. You do the stuff with stocks and bonds and the exciting stuff. And I hear you talk about energy. I hear you talk about solar. I hear you talk about things that are coming. And it's like, so you are prepared to do all these different things. But your focus is set a good foundation, set a good base, and then take a percentage of things, ladder it out. So that's what, you know, we want your money safe. Something else, we want your money to grow. You know, the, the past 15 years where there's been really no interest to speak of, those days are gone, at least for now. As they've raised interest rates, we have boring, boring products that are paying really well. You know, we have a one-year product like a cd alternative what's it what is it now Anthony? it's over four percent for yeah. one year so we you know even safe money right now is actually pretty good and it's still growing the last thing the last reason we're doing the show we want to eat we want to see more people we want to keep our job going so if we can help you and better your situation and we can take you to companies that are good for you and we can also make a living doing so that's a win-win-win so I just, you know, it is it is not all altruistic. We do have to make a living here. And it's it's funny because a lot of people don't ask, and I'm shocked by this, they don't ask how we get paid, you know, what we make, all that stuff. We tell them that's part of the fiduciary rule. That's that's part of what we like to tell people. But it's, it's a lot of what we do. There's no charge. We are not 
sitting down and charging somebody $250 an hour to you know, help them with a plan. Then they go and execute it online with Vanguard. We, we're, you do manage money. So you talk about the costs. I heard you explain it to somebody yesterday. If you can do a good job for them, you, you are going to get paid by them. Most of our practice, when we do safe money, when we do asset-based long-term care, the stuff we do, generational wealth transfer, you know, via fixed annuities or life insurance, the companies find us. So a, a lot of times we can help people and there's no cost to them. And I, I just, I bring that up because a lot of what we're doing lately is helping people get better interest. And it's like, well, how can there not be a cost? Well, there, there is a cost. I mean, these, these companies, they have to do three things. They have to make a profit. And by the way, I'm giving you these in the right order. They have to make a profit, which you want them to, because you want your money back one day. And they have to give you a decent rate of return or you will leave them. And finally, they have to pay us to find you. We have to be out there getting them new clients. And with the volume they do, and they make their profits, through that, they're able to do all three things. They make a profit, they wind up giving you a decent interest rate, and they pay us to find you. So win, win, win. Okay, so I know that that was kind of financial and maybe a little bit boring, but I wanted to say those things. Let's get to the world for a second. Did you know that that our president is in Lithuania today? You know, I know Anthony X. Yeah, yeah, there's a big NATO summit. So he was in London and now he's in Lithuania. I did listen to some clips from what's being said over there. And I, you know, obviously it's going to be more money for Ukraine. I, I guess Ukraine is talking about, you know, still becoming part of NATO. I thought that was a big reason on how this whole thing started. I thought Russia said, no, you're not going to be a NATO. And Ukraine was like, well, we want to be. So, and that that's back on the table. So I, I guess this war isn't going away anytime soon. And we are stepping up the money again. Have you noticed we don't even hear about that in the media anymore? They, they just don't tell us what kind of money is going into Ukraine. They don't tell us what kind of money is really going anywhere. But apparently we're going to be doing more money towards security forces. I've been I'm hearing Israeli type security forces. I, I don't know what that means, but I'm glad we're funding it. And, and some sort of munitions that are presumably really scary. They're these small bombs that, you know, could kill civilians. And it's like, holy cow. What a mess. So we we are at war and I, you know, it's been a long time, so people don't think about it anymore, but we are at war. And so this thing with, with Biden overseas, oh, and Janet Yellen, she, I don't know if she's back yet, but she was in China. So I, I heard part of that. Janet Yellen is, is basically bracing this country for a digital currency, bracing us for the, the loss of the world reserve currency, literally. So, and, and I did see some of the video clips of Yellen over in China and she's bowing it's like, you know, we used to be the world's leader. We used to be the most respected country on the planet. And I, I don't know, some of the visuals, optics, whatever you want to call it, are a little bit disturbing, but she's over there and, and I'm not sure what's going on. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the BRICS, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, what is it, South Africa. We talk about that. That is growing big time. So that's why she's over there. She's working with the rest of the world now. I think... We are not going to be the big dog anymore. I think that's coming up over the next years. That so I don't know. It's it's all weird. There's well, what China. I mean, everybody's worried about China becoming, you know, the next world power and taking over. But China's export is really just based on Westerners buying them. You know, if we stop buying Chinese goods, what do they really have? You know, their economy is very very tied into ours. 
you know, just as tied in as we are to them, they are to ours. So it's more mutual. I don't think this is a China is in this great position to just take over. No, you're right. And so what are they, you know, what what would be good for them? A good war. I mean, they, you know, they, we still think that they're going to go into Taiwan and try to annex that. So no, in China, they're talking about deflation over there now, you know, for years, they, they, there's cities that they've built that are empty. Yeah. China has a lot of issues too, but you know, we look at things financially. And when I look at how things are going to change, I do believe that the BRICS nations, you know, it's supposed to come out in August. They are going to launch a new currency. They are going to have a whole bunch of countries join up with the BRICS. So it's going to be a much bigger union. And it's it's going to be gold backed, so it's it's going to be something more viable than our greenback, and I I think that's coming. And you know what what do people day to day do about it here? They get ready. They do the stuff we've been saying for years: pay down debt, buy hard assets. I mean, there's there's things you can do. Put some cash at home. We're still big on that. So uh, one thing that I got in my in basket that I wanted to read. On the day President Joe Biden signed the legislation that ended the debt ceiling debate, which was Saturday 6-3-23, the U.S. national debt was $31.467 trillion. On Thursday of last week, July 6, 2023, just 33 days later, the U.S. national debt reached 32000 474 trillion so so you know this is stuff you don't hear about you know we we remind you once in a while make sure you go on usdebtclock.org but that, <laughs> that, Wait, that number debt, again you said like ter- thirty-two thousand, and then said trillion yes so our, did i say thousand trillion yeah. so, it? so it was 31.4 trillion 33 days later it was 32 Point four trillion, so oh, it went up one trillion. Yes, which and since our nation's inception, using July fourth of seventeen seventy six, the national debt did not reach one trillion for more than two hundred and five years, and now we are piling it on. So everything is ripe for change, and when we talk about all the different things, you know what what can we do on a micro level to better people's situation one couple one family at a time we are addressing your situation and again the whole thing is getting you safe getting you a good foundation a good base and then moving on from there because we're, we are not going to slow this down we're not gonna be able to change it you know when when we look at the when we look at fed now one of the interesting things it is really really a mystery what's going on with it you know we know it's a platform we know what 55 banks have signed up for it there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, part of part of the whole thing, it it makes transactions instantaneous. So what what does that mean? If you if you go ahead, you know, like a wire can take overnight or whatever. Uh, let's see here. FedNow is simply a network that allows banks to instantaneously move money between themselves and account holders from other banks. The Fed attempted to construct such a network at least twice before, both times failing. Well, let's get to a couple potential downsides. FedNow might cause bank runs, which could be more damaging than a Silicon Valley bank failure. Account holders sought to transfer out 
$42 billion in other institutions in one day using SVB. So I, I read those things and I, I think about something. So we are worried about bank runs. We're worried about bail-ins. You know, you and I have talked about it for five years. This, this system could make the banking system implode. Well, how is the government going to handle this? The first thing is they put transaction limits at $500,000. So you, you can't move more than $500,000 at one time. So first of all, you're only supposed to keep 250000 or under per account. So what are you doing moving your 500000 at at one keystroke? You know, that's one question I have. What's the government going to do about it? They're going to stop transactions that they don't understand. So I, I gave you an article, and I know you said it was from 2022, so you questioned, you know, how new it is. The, the date doesn't matter to me. What they're saying in it is basically that they're going to, the government is going to pick and choose what goes forth here. So if something seems to them like it has to do with money laundering or drug trafficking or whatever, they're going to hold up the payment. That that completely violates the whole purpose of an instantaneous transaction. Um, and the, the newer article that I just pulled yesterday gives a name to this. It's called Velocity Controls. So it says here, <clears throat> pardon me, if 10% of the assets and deposits that are in a particular bank were withdrawn in one day, it would create total crisis for the bank. Yeah, no kidding. So velocity controls would measure and limit how much of the bank's deposits are leaving in a given period of time. So that, I, I don't understand it. It's either this instantaneous and it works like a charm and nobody gets hurt, or it's this. It's just more bigger government control over everything we do. Don't you kind of find that odd? Like the next step would be central bank digital digital currency of some yeah. sort? We've said that before. This isn't. This is just a platform where everything runs through the Fed. Every transaction. Um, but yeah, I did read those articles you sent me, and essentially they're saying with these instantaneous transactions that doesn't give the government time to intervene. Um, should there be a run on the bank, said that it would happen much much faster if all these are instantaneous. You know, now I'm reading articles that are saying they're gonna they're gonna do these velocity controls, and now we don't have to worry about that anymore. So once again, which which is it? Do we want this instantaneous system or do we not? And and who is going to judge whether or not my transaction is above board or not? It bothers me. You know, you know what the velocity controls are? It's a bail-in. If they can stop me from moving my money, isn't that a bail-in? Yeah. Well, I mean, the rules are already in place for that, so this is just another factor of that. It's not yeah. saying the bail-ins are here, but it's... Well, it, it's going that direction. I mean, everything I read, see, and hear about the banks makes me think I'd be very careful. I don't think the banks are out of the woods by any way, shape, or form. Well, no, I think you know, they're going to make... Um, they were saying, too, with the $500,000 limit, that doesn't um, help smaller banks. You know, if they're people are taking out $500,000 at a time in a small community bank, that could bankrupt a small community bank. But we've already discussed when every account goes through... Uh, the Fed, and we have a central bank digital currency, there's really no need for all these smaller banks. So do they want to manage, 
you know, thousands and thousands of small community banks, or do they want to let them fail and let Bank of America, Wells, Chase take over? Bank of America, by the way, just got fined um, for excess fees and for creating fake accounts, uh, just like Wells Fargo did and uh, just like U.S. Bank did. So that's funny, too, because we keep saying, you know, of the, the terrible three, we'd be more inclined to give our money to Bank of America because of how much we don't like Wells or uh, Chase and Bank of America caught in that uh, crossfire again, just like the rest of them, just as awful. Yep, it's pretty sad. And we already were worried about their portfolios with mortgage-backed securities. You know, we've been worried about what they do with derivatives. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're crooked. Banks are crooked. The article from the San Diego Union Tribune, Bank of America hit with $250 million in fines for customer uh, fines for customer refunds, double dipping fees, fake accounts, same stuff Wells Fargo does. Uh, here's another one. Merrill, B of A, fined $12 million for suspicious activity report failures. <laughs> so it says here, Bank of America improperly set a reporting threshold of 25,000 instead of 5,000, the SEC and FINRA found. Does that mean that they were requiring bank tellers to fill out more SARS reports than are necessary to get people listed? Is that how I'm interpreting that? Yeah, and B of A decided that if it was under 25,000, they weren't going to do it, apparently. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. So, I, but... I, I misheard that. Well, and my thing too, the suspicious activity report, I, I don't know. I mean, how, how do you legitimately take out whatever, $25,000 to buy a car? You know, now you're on this watch list. What for what? You know, it used to be our money. I mean, I, I don't know. You and I, this, this career we're in, we have to do anti-money laundering training every year. So we have to watch, you know, the signs of it, all this stuff. It's like, I, I don't, and we, I don't think we've ever seen it. Nobody's ever come in with a briefcase full of cash or anything, as far as I know. But with these banks, it's like it, the overreach is shocking, and everything seems to be coming one direction, and that's towards is sweeping changes. I think that's what's coming up. So very scary. I don't. I guess I feel more mellow than I thought I did today because I don't feel very ranty, and I'm on my favorite subject, the banks. By the way, I mean, what what to do about it? We still think you should pay down debt take out some cash. You know, we, we think you should still act accordingly. I would not have a safe deposit box right now for me. I would get that out of there. So should yeah, we, is it the break? Seized. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, to me, it's crazy that the government can seize safe deposit boxes. And I don't know. I, mean, I think we've just lost a lot of personal freedoms in this country and I'm not sure how it ends. I'm not sure if we get them back or if we don't. And then my biggest thing, I think it's going to get worse. But why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break and come back and I'll try to be a little more passionate and ranting because I feel kind of mellow right now. So make sure you reach out to us, team at anothermoneyshow.com or give us a call, 623-523-0444. And you know my big passion, check us out on YouTube. Follow the clips. Doug is doing an amazing job. He's doing shorts and clips and they're engaging and entertaining. And if it piques your interest, you know, send it to somebody. Maybe they'll start following the YouTube clips and listening to the show. So, and Anthony's favorite thing, make sure you listen to us wherever you find your favorite podcast. So with that said, we'll be back in just a minute. Thanks for being with us. 
This is another money show. Except this one's different. This one's actually fun. Another weekend, another money show. Visit anothermoneyshow.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Another Money Show. J.R. Rochford, Anthony Correo. Again, we appreciate you checking us out. Um, you know, if you like this episode, if you want to listen to past episodes, you can check us out wherever you uh, subscribe to podcasts or on our website at anothermoneyshow.com. All right, what do you got next for us, J.R.? Well, what I got next, during the break, I decided to take a peek at the old cell phone. And, you know, it was just yesterday that a lot of this information came out about Bank of America. And I just, <laughs> I was just kind of curious. Yeah, the stock's up 2% today. Like, what? how do you explain to people when everything seems counter to what's going on? Bad news is good news. Good news is bad news. So the stock is up 2%. After it comes to light that they did stuff like Jason Wells is always doing. I mean, how do I explain that to people? Why Why is the Dow back over 34,500 again? It was at 33,500-ish like a week ago. I mean, I, I don't understand. You know, the whole world is not making any sense. And yet the, the Teflon Dow, here it goes again. I don't get it. And I know that we've pointed out how manipulated and how rigged the financial markets are, the Dow Jones being only 30 companies, the S&P 500 being basically seven companies for the bulk of it. I mean, it, it's also a machine where every single Friday in this country, people are getting paid, whether you get paid bi-monthly, bi-weekly, every other week, whatever it is. So your 401k, they're taking money right out of your paycheck and they're shoving it into the stock market, into the target date fund usually, but into whatever. So it's this machine that's propped up and the companies that make up the machines, they're doing their stock buybacks, stock repurchasing. I mean, it's just, it's such a, a baloney game and yet it's, it's flying high and I don't get it. I want people to make money, whether it's real estate, whether it's fixed instruments, you know, whether it's the stock market, I want people to make money, but I want it to be legitimate. And I don't see any sense of legitimacy in these financial markets. And when we talk about, you know, managing money in the future without a crystal ball, it's it's really difficult when day after day, everything is sketchy to say the least, and yet the financial markets are doing just fine. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think what we are inching toward is things are going to all kind of come at once. The housing market, you know, I realize there's still low inventory. You know, some markets have cracks in them, but not bad. So I think the real estate market's going to change. I think the stock market is going to change. I think our currency is going to change. I think everything's going to change. And I think it's imminent. I think it's any time between now and the next two years that we're really, really going to see all this stuff happening. But I just, day to day, it's frustrating. I mean, I'm like the boy that cried wolf, you know, ooh, nothing makes sense. Well, it's, it's, it seems to. I mean, you know, people are watching TV. Speaking of TV, we talked to our buddy Doug this morning. You know, he we need to have him come on we need to chat with him. We need to we need to have him explain this to people. You know, some of what he sends us, the articles, you, you don't hear about this much. But in Hollywood, they're the Writers Guild, they're on strike. And we we brought this up. When Doug was first educating me on this, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, I brought it up. I said that I don't think Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise have to worry. I think they've got enough money in their pocket to to be unemployed for a year. 
but the writers, you know, the, the people behind the scenes, all of the, the little people, they're hurting. And, and now the article Doug sent us this morning is talking about the, the big wigs are going to try to push this at least until October, basically to have people run out of money. And then they're going to have to compromise. And it's, it's just, I mean, it's sad and pathetic. And by the way, how soon are people that go to movies, how soon are people that watch TV going to realize what's really going on? You know what I mean? Is it going to start affecting people? I, I don't, and I, I hate to say it. I think people are, they're just, they're, they're not critical thinkers. They're, they're low information in general. I know there's exceptions. You know, I, I see what's popular on TV and I'm just, I'm like, wow, this reality TV, it's amazing. You know, there was a TV show on, I won't tell you who was watching it. It was in my home, but there was a woman in my home watching the show two nights ago and I, and I caught part of it. I was, I just stood there like, what is this? And I finally asked her, I'm like, explain this to me. It's basically another reality TV show where these people come on and they have some famous relative and they give clues and you're supposed to guess who the famous relative is. And I, and I saw a bit of it where it was, this woman was related somehow to Dolly Parton, but the show, I mean, it was, it just, it just felt dumber. I felt dirty watching it. You know, when, when I walked out of the room, I had to go take a shower. I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, this, well, the this, same this, people watching those shows are the same people that are being underpaid and under, you know, valued by their own companies and, you know, CEOs like the Hollywood isn't anything special. It's the people that do all the work at the bottom, you know, barely struggling to get by uh, and then everybody else raking in the money. Remember when we had, uh, you know, COVID and we had essential workers is essential workers, you know, were so important and so critical and so crucial to us getting by in our day-to-day lives during this pandemic, yet they can't afford to pay their bills. They're so critical, but they don't get paid like it. You know what I mean? You know who wasn't critical? The CEOs, the higher management, you know, the ones that could afford to get by and not suffer during all this, yet they're not uh, essential employees. The essential, the you know, the bottom feeders, uh, essentially are what run this economy. They run everything, yet they're not getting paid. They're being overworked. Um, and, you know, the prices of homes are getting obnoxious. The prices of rent. You know, how do we expect to thrive as an economy? Like, y- you have to have everybody at the bottom be able to afford to live. I mean, I could not imagine in this country when you used to be able to have one income home and have a car and have a house. And to be able to support children, yeah, I don't know how anybody supports children now. I mean, I'm, you know, single, make a good living, and I was like, I don't know how people live. I don't know how I could afford to have a child at this point. Like, it's just absolutely insane. So, it, you know, the Hollywood strike is heartbreaking too. But this, this is not special. That's the same across the board everywhere in the U.S. right now. You're right. And it's, it's bad timing because we are in inflationary trouble. I mean, there, there is a lot of problems. And now here's another segment of the population that's not working. And, and are people going to ever wake up and say enough is enough, like you just did? Say, let, let's kind of all work together. No. I mean, we're not built on that kind of system. You know, remember the baseball strike? You're a baseball fan. Remember the baseball strike? And they, they, we missed spring training in Arizona. And then they, they didn't start the regular season for a while. Do you remember that? I don't know much about baseball. I'm learning more from Jim. 
So it, it, nobody cared. They when they got back to work, it was like it never happened. You know, a year later, spring training we set a record again. Every year, spring training sets a record, and it's just it's people are dumb. Like, when are people going to wake up? I'm not saying I want rioting in the streets like France, but I kind of do. I mean, I, I, in a good way. You know, I, I want people to at least wake up and be aware of it. And I, well, with the writer's strike, I don't think people are aware of it. Probably not, because they can still watch reality TV shows, which don't really require much writing. That is true. Well, from what I'm seeing on the little bit that I accidentally see TV here, it's like, you got that right. There's There's no writing. It's it's incredible. So and and our buddy Doug, he's got friends in the industry, so it hits him personally. So I'm interested to hear more from him and hear more detail about it. And by the way, Doug is doing an amazing job. You know, I bring up this YouTube thing. He did a short this week, this past week. He did a short from the Wolf of Wall Street. Talk about a great clip, Mister Mike. What is his uh, McConaughey? What's his name? Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. That's a great clip. So and and man, I'll tell you what. You know, we're, we don't get many views for us, but when you put George Carlin on or Wolf of Wall Street, we get some pretty good views. So, Well, it's funny, that clip, I mean, that's what we talked about last week, the week before, I don't know, maybe all of them. But these financial advisors and these financial gurus that everybody worships so much, you know, they're not making their money on investments, they're making their money off of you. That's what yep. that clip is. It's, you know, they're saying, you know, if I can make money while also making money for my clients, doesn't that, you know, isn't that a win-win? And he says, no, it doesn't matter at all because the money you make for clients doesn't exist because it's an assets and it's a constant moving. However, what is real is the commissions being paid to the advisor. That's real money. Actual cash is real. Everything else is, uh, you know, fugazi, fugazi, as they say in that. You know, you have assets, you have pieces of paper that say you have a value. Now, whether or not that value has value or that asset has value when you go to sell it is another thing. You have a perceived value. You don't have actual value. So what's real is what you're paying to advisors. What's not real is what you have in your portfolio. Right. Well, and and I really think sooner or later I'm going to be right again like a broken clock and and you're going to see that. I mean, when we have another 2008, you're going to see that. So um, speaking of media and TV and movies and all that, the, have you heard anything about this movie, The Sound of Freedom? You know, I, I heard that it, yeah, it's about child trafficking, which you and I actually went to a class a couple of years ago and got to learn a little bit about that. We, we were educated, unfortunately on adrenochrome and dumbs and stuff that is so shocking, I can't handle it. I mean, I'm I'm in enough fear over bail-ins and derivatives, so I can't handle it. But apparently this movie is really grown legs. It beat out Indiana Jones last weekend, which I guess was a shock to the Hollywood community. And, and good. I mean, I, I know it's a disturbing subject matter, but something like that, you know, when I talk about some of the TV shows, The Mass Singer and American Idol and these things that I see, and I'm just like, oh, this is ridiculous. Something like this, I'm I'm curious. I mean, I, you know, we're going to go see it next weekend. I've got a little group going. Got a couple Michaels. Michael C. Michael C is a bad influence on me, by the way. We did our West Valley Men's Networking Happy Hour yesterday, and I offered to pick up Michael C and drive him home. That was a mistake because I get to his house and then the folding chairs come out. Maybe that's why I'm not on fire today. I, I wind up having another happy hour at his house last night. <laughs> anyway, a hangover show. Not a hangover. I mean, I didn't 
drink. I mean, it just, I was out way too late. And I, you know, those men's networking happy hours, I mean, you know, we're there two to three hours. So I should just go home and do my reading and then go to bed. No, no, I'm over at Michael C's house having another couple of beers and chatting and fixing all the world's problems. But, you know, I don't know. So anyway. Just have him fill in next week. It's not a bad idea. He's young. He's he's healthy. I mean, he's always, he's got energy. I'm old. I'm tired. So, but he's one of the people that's going to go with me to the movie. And, you know, I'm, I'm really dreading seeing this movie because I have an idea what I'm going to see. But I, I think, I don't know. I think people need to see it. I think we need awareness. We need to talk about it. We have to have more people than Mel Gibson out there saying something is wrong and you need to work on it. So kind of looking forward to it, kind of not. I was thinking even if I didn't want to see the movie, I want to support it. So buy tickets and give them to somebody else. I don't know. I know, Anthony, I invited you to go and so far you have declined, but I hope you reconsider because I want to support this and I want to see more about it. So moving on back to Wolf of Wall Street and Fugazi, Fugazi. You sent me an article. Shockingly, it didn't come from Michael C. or Michael L. It came from Anthony C. in Glendale. You sent me an article. The the headline, I will do anything I can to make my goal. <laughs> TD, remember TD Ameritrade? Remember, I had a Scott Trade account, and then it became a TD Ameritrade account, and now it's become a Charles Schwab account. Ooh, we got a big shell game with my money. So anyway, TD Teller says customers pay price for unrealistic sales target. Do you remember sending me this article, Anthony? I do. It was last week, so, so it reminds me. All this stuff, Wolf of Wall Street, this article. Do you remember the movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? Remember that movie? Great movie. Oh, great movie. Great acting, dark, fascinating for anybody in sales. It's th- This is all, that is the financial industry. You know, what did I say last week? What's our job? Move money. What do you do when you're done moving money? Move more money. Just keep moving money. So this this article, it, it kind of, it it doesn't surprise me. It just kind of pisses me off. It's like the, the sales pressure, the quotas. You know, a lot of financial people, you know, especially independent people, we have to put our own quotas. You and I, we're, we're a family practice, you know, fourth generation, veteran-owned, family practice, fully independent, fiduciary. We have to put our own goals and pressures on so we keep working. What What is our goal? To help people. We, we have a lot of people that come in the office and what they're doing is pretty good. They're on the right track. We might recommend they get an umbrella policy. We might recommend they pull somebody out of the bank and put it in cash, but they're on the right track. We're not going to try to sell them something just because we can if we have a little more information and knowledge than they do, you know, you would think we would try to sell them something. We don't always do that. You know what I mean? It's like it's, but this thing with TD and the and these the the big wirehouses and the brokers, the pressure they have. You know, I, I talk all the time about the banks. If you're a financial advisor at J.P. Morgan Chase or Wells Fargo Financial Advisor, you can be the most honest person on the planet. If you don't sell enough stuff, you're not going to be there in six months. So it's it's crazy. What are, what are your thoughts on that article? Did it make you angry? Oh, of course, but none of that surprises me. I mean, it's just it's one article after another of all these same companies doing the exact same things, and it's all about getting money out of your pocket into theirs. I it mean, is, it, at this point, I'm kind of numb to it. It's just like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, of course they are. Of course. 
if we can't get numb enough where we stop talking about it, you know, we took on this radio show to sound alarms. We wanted a bigger, we wanted a platform to have more people hear what we have to say. We have to keep people, we have to let people know what's going on. You know, I'm always talking to them, you know, some of my little things I say all the time, you know, the advisors, when there is a market correction, they're like, don't panic. It's only a paper loss. You know, you haven't lost anything until you sell and then you lock in your loss. And that, that just, it bothers me because first of all, that's easy for you to say it's not your money. Other people's money is easier to spend. Other people's money is easier to downplay. But if it's my money and I see a statement and it's down 20%, it's real to me. And, and my pet peeve, where were you, advisor, over the last two years or 10 years or 15 years, telling me it's only a paper gain? You don't have any of this until you sell it and pay down debt or buy hard assets or go on vacation. So it's just, it's just our, yeah, the whole thing is is backwards. You know, the buy low, sell high, all this stuff, the advisors, you know, they're they're out there when there's when there's problems, a little correction, buy the dips. What why aren't you telling me today sell the peaks? Yesterday, B of A. If all this stuff comes out in one day on B of A, today the stock's up. Is my advisor going to call me today and say, why don't you sell 100 shares of BNA, BNA, B of A? No, of course they're not. Because the whole goal in financial services, move money from your side of the table to mine and then keep it invested. Anthony, I listen to you when you're talking to people about securities. I listen to you when you talk about how much should stay in cash for opportunities. It's like, but, th- but that isn't making anybody any money. So why do you do it? I guess it's a good time to ask you, why? Why do you stay doing what you believe to be right? Why are you honest? I want to know. And, I, and stop that, by the way. We need to start being like, <laughs> I, I'm, I guess I'm convincing myself. There were there's going to be some changes in our office starting today. I mean, sell, it's sell a, stuff, Anthony. It's a great question. Um, and I don't know how to answer this without sounding like cheesy or full of myself. Can't say this enough. I hate this industry. I don't like financial advisors. I don't like big corporations. I don't trust the government. Yeah, I was a very punk rock, angsty teenager and nothing's really changed. Now I'm just more involved and instead of being unknowledgeable and just kind of saying, oh, the world's trying to screw us. Now my career is to know exactly how the world is trying to screw us. So uh, I see it. I see it day in and day out. You know, we talk about financial plans and portfolios when people drop off their statements for us to look at. I already know what they're going to be. None of these are any different. Nobody has a real plan or an objective or a goal. It's uh, what's your risk tolerance? I'm going to put you in a stock and bond portfolio that matches that. And asking clients what their risk tolerance is really just a way for an advisor to cover their own ass. So when they lose money, because you said you wanted to get 40% gains and take risk. And when you lose and you don't get those 40% gains, an advisor can just come to you and say, Oh, you know, this is this is meets your risk tolerance. This is what you told us you wanted to do. And I don't think that's right. I the whole asking people what their risk tolerance is. We've so many people that'll just, you know, they want 10, 20%, but they don't want risk. So if they're trying to get 10, 20% gains, they're not good candidates because you have to, you know, risk equals reward kind of stuff. And we've seen it, you know, 15 years up. Uh, we, you know, market kind of going down this last year and then recovering. 
I mean, it, it doesn't make sense with the government essentially saying there's no debt limits. Um, you know, we could see the market rise again over the next couple of years because that allows companies to take chances. You know, this isn't a free market capitalist society like everyone likes to pretend it is. Um, companies will make gambles trying to make their shareholders a ton of money. And if they fail, the government will bail them out. That's the precedence that we've set as a country. Um, you know, if you're a mom and pop and, you know, your business goes under, the bank is very quick to seize your assets and shut you down. But if you're a massive airline company and all of a sudden we've got a global pandemic and you've spent the last 10 years pri previous uh, spending 90 plus percent of your profits on stock repurchasing and now, you know, the emergency you should be saved up for happens, uh, you put your hand out and you get bailed out by the government while you also lay off your employees that were probably underpaid to begin with. So... And where does the government get their money? I mean, obviously, they're just printing it, so there is no money. But where do they get it? The taxpayers. So we bail them out, not the government. Yeah. And by the way, right. you said pandemic. There's the, are we, is next, is it malaria? Now, I've read three or four things in the last two weeks about malaria. It's like, oh, for Pete's sake. You know, what the? <laughs> so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I wish, the, and I hate, I hate even using the pandemic word because I don't know exactly what the definition is. But I feel like it's substantial and high death percentages. And I mean, don't get me wrong. COVID did affect a lot of people, but it did not affect a lot of people the way it, it seemed in theory. You know, we're not, it wasn't a 50% death rate. If you found it, it was like a fraction of a fraction of a percent. And it was only people in really, uh, you know, certain demographics. So all of that, again, I don't know. I say all these things, but it's funny because you you hear me complain about big business and all this stuff, and I was like, oh, you know, it, it sounds like a very uh, uh, how to word it, a very left leaning stance. The problem is, you get a lot of political figures from the left saying things like that, but their answer is more government control. The government's ruins all of this, though. You know, it, it really doesn't matter. It's both sides of the aisle. Because you get to a position of power and you're just greedy and money hungry and what's in it for me. So, I mean, it's very, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this business easily, I could double, triple my money. You know, I could definitely tell people if they came to me with money and debt to just invest and screw the debt, we'll deal with it later. But that's, you have to just be the better person. You have to be the change kind of thing which again sounds really sappy but it's like i'm very aware that i could take more people's money and make a lot more money for myself i just i don't care about it i don't want to well and you're still you said you were an angsty punk rocky which by the way you still are in your early 30s and i did pick up on the fact you said you weren't married no kids so ladies you know anthony's the eye candy of the office all, all i'm saying Oof, so um really you were bar, though I saw a video you put out a week or two ago of you skateboarding in your kitchen. Must be nice to be not married and no kids. <laughs> I would have a motorcycle in my living room. But anyway, so yeah, that was good. You're skateboarding. And I put some smart aleck comment about seeing the bruise. A big, the big, I think I said a crude word like you did earlier. I think you said the word ass earlier. So I, I was looking forward to seeing the big ass bruise. I was like, is that like, one word or two? Like big ass bruise or big ass bruise? Anyway, um, so you know what? 
when we talk about being honest, you know why you're honest? And I knew that about you before you came in the office or I would not have extended for you to come into the office because right is right, wrong is wrong, whether people are watching or not. You know why I want people to see a disturbing movie this weekend? Because right is right, wrong is wrong. The first step to solving problems is awareness to the problems. You know, when we talk about why we do this show, I do think everything is off. I think the country is very polarized. You know, everybody wants to make this this particular show more political than it is. You and I are both extremely apolitical. We, we really are. We don't like the corporate greed. We have a lot of left-leaning thinking. We like people that have different lifestyles than our own. We're fine with it. We have all kinds of left-leaning stuff. We also have right-leaning things where we want smaller government. We want people to succeed. So I don't know. I mean, I, you know, my, my bottom line for this show, though, now is the time to prepare. You know, I think about the boy that cried wolf, the sky is falling week after week. I'm like, you need to look up bail-in and normalcy bias and, you know, all this stuff. Now is the time to make sure all of your affairs are in order because everything I'm saying, I keep all these articles, I keep references, I try to vet and verify everything we say, I try to make sure I have two or three sources for things, and it's funny because when the day gets here, I brought up a broken clock earlier, I am a broken clock, but it's about to be five o'clock, and now I think it's imminent. I've always been on a rolling time frame on when things are going to get weird. I think everything's coming into place nicely. So right now, and it's past, it's past the time to wake people up. I always thought I was doing a good job waking people up. Now, the people that are not awake, what the hell? I mean, if you're sitting there watching the show about Dolly Parton's cousin or whatever it is, uh, you're lost. It's too late. But the people that are listening to us, especially if they've heard us a bunch of times and they're still listening to us, you are awake. Now, it's the time for us to get you unsettled. We want to disturb you enough to take action and prepare. That's what we want to do. It's it's past time to wake people up. It's time to shout to people, get everything in order. And you know what? Then when you get them their base and their foundation and their lifelong income, when you get them the right mix of money, insecurities, cash, when everything's in place, then they don't have to worry. Then they can wait and see what's happening and not be worried. We will have them prepared and not scared. But with that said, I don't, I don't know. Uh, today's show, I'm iffy. I can't wait to hear it on Saturday. You know, I'm not a young kid. I won't find it on a podcast, but I'll listen to it on the AM radio on Saturday. Anyway, it, it, we're so glad you were with us. You can find us at team at anothermoneyshow.com. We would love your show ideas. We would love your questions. We'll even take your comments as long as they're nice. We don't want anything negative because we're very sensitive over here at Rochford & Associates on Bell Road. So reach out to us. Make sure you follow our YouTube channel. We want to grow that bad boy. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, help us out. And uh, anything else on your side, Anthony? No, I mean, do you give the website anothermoneyshow.com and you can email us directly at team at anothermoneyshow.com. So looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Another Money Show. You deserve to work with a private wealth management firm that will strategically work to protect your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free, no-obligation consultation, visit anothermoneyshow.com. 
Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM. A registered investment advisor. BCM and Rochford Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Fixed annuities, including multi-year guaranteed rate annuities, are not designed for short-term investments and may be subject to restrictions, fees, and surrender charges as described in the annuity contract. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuer.